you ever wondered how you, an elementary teacher, can move from inside the confines of a standardized curriculum box to a teaching and learning space that is more creative? And how can you make this leap in your teaching practice in an easy and more systematic way that doesn't create more work for yourself during planning sessions? This is what I'm hoping to accomplish with Get Off the Dotted Line, a podcast that gives elementary teachers simple step-by-step tools, guidance, and advice on how to make teaching more creative without sacrificing high-quality content, instruction, skills, and amazing learning potential for your students. I'm your host, Dr. Paige Hendricks, and together we will explore different ways to simplify your planning and add a lot of creative impact that is outside the confines of standardized curriculum and the dotted lines. In today's podcast, we are going to talk about a sound wall, what it is, why you should make one, and how to use it. I'm going to give you some creative, easy tips for making your sound wall super effective, usable, and worth the time and space in your classroom. So by the end of this episode, I promise you will have five tips for your sound wall that you can implement into your classroom with your students. And stay tuned for the Cut That Out section of this podcast, where I'll give you access to a handout so you can remember the tips we talked about and use them right away. Whether you consider yourself a creative teacher or not, or just need a spark to re-energize your classroom atmosphere tomorrow, this episode will help you confidently engage your students and create an atmosphere for high-quality content, instruction, and amazing learning potential to begin. I want to begin this podcast with a disclaimer. Up until about a few days ago, I had no knowledge of what a sound wall was or how to create one or use it in your classroom. So why am I talking about it now? Well, if you tuned into episode 6, there I discussed word walls. And it seems there's a difference between a word wall and a sound wall, and some debate about which to use and when and why. I wanted to discuss both individually and then present the pros and cons of each in another episode, so stay tuned for that. And isn't it just amazing to learn new things every day, even as a teacher? I remember having a lot of conversations with my teaching colleagues, and even with my cooperating teacher during student teaching, about using your mouth to create the various sounds in the English language. Up until recently, the idea of creating a graphic for students to visualize the sounds only just appeared on my radar. This just shows yet another progression of thought as we study more carefully and with additional knowledge how students learn and more effective ways of teaching them. So here we go, sound walls. Because humans learn to speak before reading and writing, language sounds and sound production are most important learning skills. Research suggests that early childhood educators should be specifically aware of and trained to properly teach English language sounds, specifically phonemes. Did you know that there were 44 speech sounds in the English language? That includes consonants, vowels, and other sounds we use every day. Clearly, there's a lot to learn here. Research states readers make connections between print patterns 
and phonological information already stored in the brain in order to make meaning of a word they are reading. Therefore, teaching phonemes first may be more helpful to teach before teaching sound letter correspondence. Another interesting research link includes thinking about whether or not your word wall is student-centered or teacher-centered. Arguably, sound walls are more student-centered because they work directly with how a student makes a sound rather than how they spell a word, which is a more complicated task. So what is a sound wall? A sound wall is a visual representation of the different sounds or phonemes we hear in English speech. This representation is grouped by sounds and the manner in which a human mouth and tongue forms these sounds. Because a sound cannot be written, letters are used to represent the sounds. Clearly, there are letters on a sound wall, but these letters are representations of sounds, not words as printed. For example, the sound A is represented on a sound wall as the long vowel A, a letter A with a straight line over it. By the way, the line over that long vowel sound is called a macron. Under this visual representation of the long A sound, there can be words where the long A sound can be heard, such as the word make or rain. But the addition of words are not indicative to spelling. Rather, any words added to a sound wall match the sound they are under or near. Therefore, a sound wall matches the speech sounds or the phonemes to the letters, the graphemes, that represent those particular sounds. I also learned that some sound walls have pictures of mouths on them in addition to sounds and corresponding words with these sounds. When I was teaching, the only place I saw pictures of mouths on a bulletin board were in the speech pathologist's office. That's because speech pathologists are often focused on sound formation, and now you can choose to also focus on this in your own classroom. The pictures help students to see how their mouths and tongues form particular sounds. This can benefit students who are learning English for the first time, or anyone who is practicing their English skills in class. Discussions surrounding mouth formation and tongue placement are good for everyone, and matching the visual with the individual helps students see, hear, and feel the process of creating English language sounds. A teacher can create two different versions of a sound wall or transition from one sound wall to another. The two kinds of sound walls are a consonant sound wall and a vowel sound wall. A consonant sound wall is organized by the way the consonant sound is being articulated or how that consonant sound is being formed. Consonant sound walls also show the place of articulation or where in the mouth the consonant sound is occurring. Reading Rockets has a great visual of a consonant sound wall, and the link is in the show notes. But let me see if I can explain it here, too. For example, saying the m, m, or n, n sound happens with the help of your nose. By the way, you can't make these sounds if you pinch your nose shut. The m and n sounds, or m and n sounds, are called nasal sounds because you use your nose to make them. Therefore, on a consonant sound wall, the nasal sounds are grouped together. These sounds include M, N, KN, like in the word night, and NG, like in the end of the word ring.
Students hearing any of these nasal sounds can find them placed together on the consonant sound wall. A vowel sound wall organized by the place of articulation or the places in our mouths, jaws, and tongues where the sound is actually made. The vowel sound wall is usually represented in the shape of a V or a valley, similar to the change in position of the human mouth and jaw to produce the different vowel sounds. For example, when we make the first vowel sound long E, our chin starts very high and our mouth is spread out like a smile. Whereas the lowest vowel sound on the vowel sound wall, the short O sound or AH, is made by opening your mouth, jaw, and chin into a long oval shape, like when the doctor asks you to open your mouth and look down your throat. Reading Rockets also has a great visual of a vowel sound wall, and again, the link is in the show notes. Although teachers often stress five or maybe six vowel letters, those letters actually represent 18 different vowel sounds. Now that you know what a sound wall is and the two different types, here are five tips when setting up and using your sound wall in your classroom. Tip number one. Many teachers who set up sound walls have both consonant sound walls and vowel sound walls in their classrooms. I recommend putting these close together on a large bulletin board. You'll want to make sure students can see it or see both of them from anywhere and walk up to them if necessary with a clipboard or a pointer. Tip number two, divide your consonant sound wall by articulation, how the sound is made using your mouth, jaw, and chin, and your vowel sound wall into a large V shape, starting with the chin high sounds and gradually working down to chin low sounds and back up again. Tip number three, print your pictures of mouths and faces in color and your sounds in a black, easy to read font. Tip number four, begin the school year with a blank sound wall. Add the sounds as they are learned and practiced in the classroom. Adding the sounds together with students makes more of an impact than assuming that they know the sounds already there. And tip number five, teacher review one new sound with your students during whole group instruction. You'll want to say the sound, show the sound, have students brainstorm words that have that particular sound in them, discuss where in the mouth, jaw, and chin the sound comes from, and anything else that pertains to that sound. This may take multiple practice points in a day or even bleed into a second or third day, making sure that the students understand how to properly make and use that sound. And make it a ritual when a new sound appears on the wall. Now, if I was going to spend my time at the end of the summer before school started making a sound wall, you'd better believe I would make sure that I used it all the time. So reference or remind your students to use the sound wall during writing time, reading time, whole group meeting, calendar time, or any other time in the day where reading, writing, or speaking is involved. My advice is always make it once and use it multiple times during the school day. Then the sound wall will become second nature to your students and a usable piece of learning. So to recap, I promised you we would discuss five tips for your sound wall that you can implement into your classroom. Here are those five sound wall tips again. Consider making and using both a vowel sound wall and a consonant sound wall. Divide your consonant sound wall by articulation and your vowel sound wall into a large V shape. 
Print your pictures of mouths and faces in color and your sounds in a black, easy-to-read font. Begin the school year with a blank sound wall and teach and review one new sound with your students during whole group instruction. So there you have it, five efficient and creative tips for your sound wall to implement into your classroom. Whether you consider yourself a creative teacher or not, or just need a spark to re-energize your classroom atmosphere tomorrow, I hope these five sound wall ideas have helped you confidently engage your students and create an atmosphere for high-quality content, instruction, and amazing learning potential to begin. To review key takeaways from today's episode and get the free handout, please visit my website at pagehendricks.com. That's P-A-I-G-E Hendricks.com. You can also find the handout in my store at Teachers Pay Teachers at Get Off the Dotted Line. Before we go, I hope you have enjoyed this podcast and want to listen to more. Please subscribe to Get Off the Dotted Line. I can't wait to share another podcast with you. Thank you again for joining me, Dr. Paige Hendricks, in today's episode of Get Off the Dotted Line. See you next time.